Welcome to the United and Resilient Podcast, designed to heal and support the El Paso community. My name is Carola Muñoz de Cote, Outreach Coordinator for the El Paso United Family Resiliency Center, a program of United Way El Paso County. I am glad to be the new host of this podcast. Our mission is to help those who have been affected by the tragic event that occurred in August the 3rd. We invite you to join us in our efforts to achieve long-term recovery by engaging in honest conversations with local leaders, mental health specialists, and other residents of El Paso who will share their stories and knowledge. We cover various topics that have an impact on the well-being and resilience of our community. We are El Paso United and together we heal. Juntos sanamos. In this episode, we will share both the knowledge and the vast experience of our guests on this topic. Through his work, our guest has verified the strong relationships between trauma and addiction and how this connection affects our emotion and behavior. While there will always be some things beyond our control, understanding this phenomenon can help us manage it and realize that there are alternatives to coping with it. Most importantly, there is always hope for change and healing. Now it is time to introduce our guest. He is Francisco Torres Almeraz, licensed professional counselor, licensed sex offender treatment provider, clinical therapist at El Paso Juvenile Justice Center. Mr. Torres is a Mexican immigrant with over 25 years of experience in the criminal justice and mental health areas. He has worked as a community supervision officer and senior probation officer throughout his career. At Challenge Academy, he worked with high-risk youth. Since 2016, Mr. Torres has been employed as a clinical therapist at El Paso Juvenile Center, where he primarily works with high-risk youth and provides sex offense-specific treatment for adults. He is currently working on developing an interagency collaboration to create a holistic approach in the delivery of services to the family served by the Juvenile Probation Department. The aim is to ensure that there are no more victims. Welcome, Francisco. Thank you for being here on the United and Resilient Podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Francisco, for being here, for sharing your knowledge, your expertise. And let's start this conversation. What about if we define what is trauma? Mm. What is trauma? What is addictions to, to start, to begin this conversation? Oh, thank you for having me, Carola. It's, it's a pleasure for, for me to be here. And uh, trauma, like defined in, in simple terms, is a, it's a negative experience that some of us have, have uh, had in the past. It, it could be related to a memory, to an event, and usually that experience causes issues for us. And addiction? Addiction is the coping mechanism 
that I utilize to deal with trauma. But it's important to, to understand that not everybody you, uh, deal with trauma utilizing addiction. Some people utilize addiction. You have more um, uh, probability to, mm. to use addiction, but it's not for all the people that experience trauma. Yes, I think if we, if we use it more in the context of, of addiction, usually when we work with populations, uh, addiction populations, we're going to find that there's trauma underneath. Mm -hmm. But it's not the same the other way around. Okay. It's not necessarily that when you work with someone with trauma, you will find addiction. You might find some disruption in their lives in other ways, right? For example, relationship-wise or things like that, but not necessarily addiction. So I think it depends what is the approach that we utilize, and we are going to find one or the other, depending, right? Because there's people that can deal with trauma in different ways. There's people that can deal with trauma in healthy ways. They have great coping mechanism. And by the way, coping mechanism, no no, no judgment here, right? Coping yes. mechanism, it is what it is. It's... it's my solution or what I think is the solution to my problem, right? So I'm going to use it in, in that sense. And sometimes for me, my addiction could be that way. Mm -hmm. That's the way that works for me. This is the way that I'm going to do. And there's no judgment about it, right? Yeah. That's what is doing the trick for me. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, what many people have discovered is that as time progresses, yes, addiction helped me to deal with this trauma, with this situation, right? But later on, addiction is creating other problems or is not helping me as it used to help me before, mm -hmm. right? And now what happens is that I have two problems and I have no coping mechanism mm -hmm. to both of them, right? Mm -hmm. and, and this is very common, for example, with military personnel that they deal with combat trauma. and, with and PTSD. PTSD, yes. Mm -hmm. And they start to utilize alcohol to deal with it and mm -hmm. it helps them greatly at the beginning yes. later it's not helping them at all and then it's creating a lot of issues at home the relationship wise they're having a lot a lot of problems so now they have these two issues and no coping mechanism to mm -hmm. deal with them so that's that's something that is important to to understand that some people utilize addiction as a way of coping with trauma Mm -hmm. Because the tolerance mm -hmm. will change, right? Because at the beginning, maybe I ex experimenting, I want to party, I want to party, sorry. I start to drinking a couple of drinks. Mm -hmm. But later on, maybe I just need to add another drink. Later on, I need to add another drink. Because it's not the same response that the body uh, gave us to the to the to that first drink to the numb the pain yes, right exactly because if, if we think about like a baseline right that's what we are all the time like we're in that baseline and it's like the normal day that everybody goes right and sometimes something happens and it is it send us down from that baseline something we make us make us feel sad or anxious And then I discover that by drinking, it gives me these great positive feelings and I feel fantastic, right? But as soon as I start drinking or using, I also discover that almost immediately that effect starts to go away. And now that I have reached this high or great emotion and feeling, I don't want to go down, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do all the efforts that I can to stay at that level. Yes. And let's say at the beginning, 
drinking a 12 pack of beer would put me at that level probably in six months i'm going to need an 18 pack mm-hmm. right and later on probably 24 cans or later on 30 and and so on and so forth and that's precisely what you were talking about that tolerance right mm-hmm. what did the trick six months ago is not doing the trick now yes. so i need more of the same thing to reach that same feeling mm-hmm. more or more strong right maybe Stronger, i start yes. with alcohol maybe later with opioids maybe yes. later with i don't know or a combination or a combination of all yeah right sometimes some people do a combination of them and when we see addiction from that perspective we can see that it's like what is called the roller coaster of addiction mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sometimes I'm, it's going to help me to go high and sometimes it's going to help me to go down right and when i discovered it by you by by hanging on to addiction and it's going to bring me up i want to hold on to that positive feeling i don't want that feeling to go away but i might discover as well that when i do that this ptsd this depression this anxiety goes away the addiction helps me to get rid of it right so this is the 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 two aspects of addiction sometimes i'm going to use it to hold on to positive mm-hmm. emotions that it brings me and sometimes i'm going to use it to push away or get rid of these negative feelings mm-hmm. that's why I, I seldom use this example when you see someone that they can drink mm-hmm. the party's over they go home no problems and there's people they start to drink yes they won't stop mm-hmm. because that great feeling they don't want to let it go Right, it's, it's precisely that that difference that, that we have. And positive thoughts decrease without enough substance use. Yes, because we alter the the chemicals in our brain. We I I call this the natural high, right? Like I know most people, a lot of people have you have heard this word, like the natural high. And pretty much what it means is that our brain produces naturally all the feel good chemicals that we need. Our brain produces naturally with the exercise or mm-hmm. with the exercise with exactly all that right is produced naturally alcohol sex food drugs hit all all of them hit the same pleasure centers in the brain mm-hmm. so it produces all these release of chemicals in the brain Dopamine. so exactly mm-hmm. but now the brain detects there is a surplus of these substances and then the brain says like there's a surplus then I don't have to produce it so it shuts down and then those substances are not going to stay in our brain forever mm-hmm. they're going to leave it and when they leave it the substances is no longer there because my brain is not producing it mm-hmm. so now what I need take more to get to that level just to balance out the chemicals in my mm-hmm. brain right so that's that's the, the problem later on right that I alter the, the the chemical balance in my brain and I will need these substances to move on right and now we're talking about dependence mm-hmm. on, on on the other one of the aspects of addiction that when I need this this substance to just go through my day because mm-hmm. otherwise I will not be able to perform what I'm supposed to do when is time to recognize the red flags I am in a place where I don't want to stay. I am an addict. De- definitely, I think that the telltale signs 
are the interference in the daily activities. Once that my addiction is interfering with my daily activities, that should be a red flag. Mm -hmm. If I'm showing up to my work still high or still drunk from the night before, that could be a problem. If I do not take care of my my basic uh, appearance, like mm -hmm. I'm not showering, I'm isolating, and I'm, I'm, I'm not socializing, that should be also a, a red flag. When I spend most of my money in my addiction and not paying for bills, not buying groceries for my children, we might have a problem. Right? A red flag. Mm -hmm. Usually the main two will be issues at work and issues at home mm -hmm. because those are usually the most places where we are most of the day, mm -hmm. all of us. So that's where the first flags are going to show. You know? But it's not easy to recognize. No, it's not because uh, I, I call it a jealous and possessive lover. Addiction for me <laughs> is a jealous and possessive lover because addiction will defend that and will mm -hmm. justify to the person why it's not a problem, mm -hmm. that you deserve this. You work so hard all week, so you deserve to sit down during the week and, and get high or drink all that beer that you want or both, you know, mm -hmm. because you work so hard. Because once that addiction sits in, it doesn't want to go away. And if you think about it, why will it go away when we are giving it all he or she wants in the terms of addiction, right? Mm -hmm. If we perceive addiction as a she or a he, we're giving everything they ask us for, all our time, all our money, all our attention. So that's why I call it jealous possessive lover, because mm -hmm. that's what a jealous possessive <laughs> lover wants, right? I like that. <laughs> yeah, so once they sit in, why would it go? Mm -hmm. I'm here, this guy is giving me everything that I want, when I want it, why should I go? So he's going to hold on to this person with everything he or she has, right? And then to top it off, it's going to start playing tricks to us, making us believe like, and besides, I'm here and I'm helping you to deal with that negative memory from the past. Mm -hmm. You know that PTSD, you know very well that if you don't drink, that is affecting you. But if you drink, I got you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to help you deal with this, right? And and this this internal dialogue that that holds hand with cognitive distortions by justifying the use of whatever it is that we're using, right? And and in this case, when we talk about addiction, it's important for us to recognize that we're using it like in a broad way. Addiction could be to food, to exercise, gambling, mm -hmm. sex, drugs, alcohol whatever it is that is helping you to deal with this situation, the, this situation, right? That's what addiction is. In general terms, and mo because most people, when we talk about addiction, they think only about alcohol or drugs. So in this case, I think it's better for us to understand or recognize it in a, in a broader way. Mm -hmm. the, the, uh, in behaviors and concepts, yes. in persons. Exactly, in so. relationships, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yes. I'm talking about trauma. Um, what is first? Um, try to treat trauma, try to approach to the addiction to in order to heal the a person want to get out of that darkest place. Mm -hmm. What is first? Usually most people will come from the easiest. 
So most people will come and say, you know what, uh, people tell me that I have a drug problem. Mm-hmm. I really don't think I have a drug problem, but people tell me I have a drug problem, right? Mm-hmm. And, and if, if the person that I seek help from has a background in trauma, they will be able to identify those signs and mm-hmm. say, you know what, yeah, you, you might have an addiction, right, but that's not really the problem. It's something. It's something else. Like a, a, the iceberg. Yes. You see the addiction, but behind. Yes. There are another There's some chunk of something ice. Else. <laughs> Absolutely, because I, I know this could sound controversial for some from some people, but addiction is not the problem. Addiction is a manifestation of a greater problem, or is a symptom of a problem. Mm-hmm. I have heard some people say, and actually this was recent in a clinic that I was working at, one gentleman told me, you know what, I, I don't have a, an alcoholism problem. I drink because I like to drink. Mm-hmm. And, oh, okay. And I told him, you know what, you're the first person who have told me that. The first person. Because from all the people that I have talked to and they have addictions, it's not a walk in the park. It's like walking in hell. Mm-hmm. And a person who has addiction will understand what I'm talking about. And I told him, you're the first one to have told me that. Some months passed, and then one day I found him again in one of the groups, and we were talking about trauma. And during the, the group, the men broke down. Mm-hmm. And he shared with the group that his issue was an unresolved issue with his father. Wow. And his father had been dead for many many years but mm-hmm. that was something that was left pending mm-hmm. and that was the mm-hmm. issue and at that moment I just put one and one together I hope he did put one and one together I didn't want to say hey, but you told me last time that you you like it yeah do you drink because you like it right it's, it's very very uh, different and sometimes very treacherous because sometimes we know sometimes we know what is the pain that we're trying to to control what is the pain that we're trying to make subside but a lot of times we don't mm-hmm. and and that's the, the the difficult part with trauma sometimes people come and genuinely tell you i don't know i don't know why i drink i don't have nothing that happened to me and when you start working with them and they start doing the work they discover the reason the reason why i don't know why i feel sad yes I don't know why I always carry this anxiety with me, right? And, and that's, that has to do with a process that is called integrated memory. Mm-hmm. We have an, uh, an aspect that has to deal in our, in our memory that has to deal with emotional reactions. And then we have another part that explains why we feel this way. When these two get together, that is memory integration. And once that is integrated, the mem- the, the brain um, sense the imagine s- yeah like stores it mm-hmm. in an adaptive way. It is there for later use. Put the it key, put it in yes, a- <laughs> right there in the storage room. It's right there, right? Mm-hmm. But the problem, this process happens every day, all day long, mm-hmm. right? But when trauma hits, it disrupts this process. Mm-hmm. So what happens is that I have this emotion, this high fear, this high anxiety, but I don't have explanation for it. Mm-hmm. And even though the memory is not integrated, the brain 
stores it. Mm -hmm. But now it's stored in a maladapted way. So now what I have is this feeling, let's say this anxiety, but I don't have explanation for it. What's the reason? Like, what's the reason? Like, I'm, I, like mm -hmm. I just feel anxious, right? It's a defense mechanism. Absolutely. body yes. does mm -hmm. automatically. Yes, automatically that information is put away because you're not ready to deal with it, right? So mm -hmm. we're gonna keep it here for later, right? Recently, uh, I worked with this this lady. She was over 70 years old. And the, the reason why she came to seek services was because of her anxiety. And she told me that she had suffered anxiety all her life, right? So we did the process with the things that we needed to do. And one day, she hit the, the main point or, or the source of her anxiety. And what her brain showed her was an image of herself when she was three years old. And wow. she explained to me what was that picture and the situation that was happening at that moment. And at that moment, she had that explanation. And she's like, no wonder why I have felt like that. Because mm -hmm. when the memory integrates, that we have the emotional reaction and we have the explanation. It's like that aha moment in our brain. Right, went like, oh, okay, I get it. I understand why I feel this way. Mm -hmm. Now this explains it. Finally, yes. after seven, 60. Almost 70 years, wow. right? And, and in, in our case, like when people comes and works in trauma, that's how they describe it. They say, you know what is this image that I cannot take out of my mind? Is this sound, is this smell, right? They never describe it as an event. Is something in particular, and that's when the time got frozen. Mm -hmm. Time got still, and at that moment is when we get stuck, mm -hmm. right? It is very well known in the area of trauma that people who suffer trauma they live the present as it is, as if it was the past, mm -hmm. right? They continue to be here in the present. Yes, you're seeing them; they're here with you, but they continue to live it as it was the past, right? Mm -hmm. They're stuck back there and we tell the same story again and again mm -hmm. again and again yeah but it's a story it's in the past mm -hmm. it's in the past we're stuck right there we get mm -hmm. to that point and we don't move from there mm -hmm. right and this pain this unresolved pain is precisely uh dealt with through addiction addiction will give me the opportunity to feel good addiction will give me the opportunity to manage my anxiety it's going to make anxiety disappear for how long? It doesn't matter. If it's five hours, ten hours, tomorrow, well, tomorrow we'll see. For now, this is helping me to deal with this pain. Tomorrow, we'll see. We'll see. Mm -hmm. And next day, same thing. And with this example that you mentioned with this lady, I remember when you say that everybody has the capacity to heal. Yes. That is that is the, the really amazing important. of the, the body, the mind. Yes, it mm -hmm. is. It is incredible because the main reason and, and, and this is important for me to say that when we know someone has an addiction problem, we tend to utilize the wrong approach. Some of us expect the person to resolve the addiction just like that and expect for them just to put down that glass of beer or wine or liquor or whatever the same way that they decided one day to lift it and start to drink and it's not as easy like that mm -hmm. because it has been the coping mechanism for years for this yes. person and 
in order for them to be able to do that, I think it's not about wanting to change because that's something that is very common. No, this person does not want to change. They're always going to be the same. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the wrong question or the wrong approach. I think the approach should be, is this person ready to heal, mm -hmm. right? And healing implies pain. Yes. <laughs> implies pain, right? It's, it's like, like we, we talked before, like me having a wound that gets infected. In order for me to heal, most likely that wound has to be reopened and some pressure needs to be applied, deep cleaning, and that's not going to be a walk in the park. It's, yes. going, it's, going, <laughs> it's going to hurt, but probably it's going to be the last time that it's going to hurt. The, when I work with people who comes to seek help for trauma, that's one of the things that I tell. I'm not telling you that this is going to be a walk in the park. Mm -hmm. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be painful. But probably this is the last time that it's going to hurt. Mm -hmm. And that's when the person decides, you know, yes, I'm ready to heal. Mm -hmm. I, I am committed to this process. Or you know what? Not yet. Let's hold on on that, right? And mm -hmm. I'll come back later. Okay. You know, and, and it's, it's precisely that. It's understand where we are. You know, but unfortunately, some people internalize that lack of uh, readiness as weakness. Right, like me recognizing that I'm not ready to deal with trauma reflects on me in a negative way, you know, as a particularly as a male. Like, mm -hmm. man, you're so weak. And mm -hmm. then we start engaging in this negative self talk. What guilt comes into place, where shame comes into place, mm -hmm. and that's going to affect the way that I think, and that's going to affect directly the way that I feel, and it's going to be reflected in the way that I act. Yeah. which is the premises of cognitive behavior therapy, right? Thoughts, feelings, and behavior. Mm -hmm. And that's what we see in people, right? The behaviors. The addiction is a behavior that mm -hmm. is linked to thoughts and emotions. Mm -hmm. Especially for our Hispanic community. Oh, yeah. We have more troubles. We need a little bit more push to seek for help, for professional help. To, yes, to uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, there's still this uh, strong stigma about mental health, you know, and, and believing that if I have anxiety, estoy loco, I'm crazy, yeah. right? <laughs> or if I, somebody recommends me to go and talk to a therapist, I'll become defensive. They go, well, are you implying that I'm crazy? You mm. know, it's not like that. It's sometimes, yes, I believe we all have the capacity, like you mentioned, of self-healing, but sometimes we need guidance. Sometimes we need someone that can help us with this situation because the things that we're undergoing could be so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And when we are overwhelmed, we do not see things as clear mm -hmm. as when we are not. And that's why it is important to have a professional that can guide us in this area. Yeah. We can find help in YouTube or guide in Google, but what is the reason that we need a professional we need to invest in mm -hmm. ourselves we pay for another things we pay for a gym we pay for I don't know for a, a application in your phone but why is important to seek a professional help because a professional will exactly create the treatment plan that you need mm -hmm. if we go to YouTube we google something go to YouTube and kind of like do it yourself type of thing Probably, yeah, I don't doubt that we might find some, some useful tips in how to manage. cope or manage <laughs> or they are the activities, but definitely it's not going to help you resolve it. 
the, the only person who's going to help you resolve it is a professional. Mm-hmm. He's the one that is not only going to help you resolve it, but he's going to give you or help you develop those coping mechanisms to manage your day-to-day activities, the tools that you need. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be tailored to your needs, not like something general, for example, in, in a video or wellness in YouTube, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's that, that difference that the approach that the therapist will utilize with you, the professional will use with you, is going to be tailored specific to your needs. The needs that you're presenting and as you said resolve it resolve it go go deep go go to the under the the water to yes. see that big chunk of the iceberg and yeah to do that that deep make cleaning, it work you yes. know to the do that deep cleaning you know when i talk about addictions and trauma i i utilize usually i drew a house mm-hmm. and then i drew a house with an attic and a basement right and, and a little outside storage and I explained to, to the clients that the attic contains all those negative emotions, memories, I'm sorry. They're mm-hmm. there. The, the basement contains all these negative feelings that might be tied to those memories. And that outside storage is the efforts that we made to push out all mm-hmm. those things. And it is very, very, very common to hear in the addiction field to hear, no, you know what, you need to clean house. You need to clean house. And if we utilize that same analogy, if I invite you to my house, but you come and the only thing that I clean is a table, mm-hmm. my house is not clean. The table is, but the house is not, right? So the issues that I have in the attic and the basement still there, they have not been cleaned. I'm going to be cleaning my house when I clean the attic clean. <laughs> yes, and the basement, right? And at that moment, I will need no outside storage mm-hmm. because I don't have stuff here that I'm pushing over there. So mm-hmm. that's the cleaning, right? And, and unfortunately, a lot of people, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. They seek help for addiction and they, yeah, they get clean, they get sober for 30 days, 45 days, and then they relapse. Why? Because that deep cleaning was not done. The issue remains. It's just a matter of time for that issue to come back and hit them again. Because those emotions are going to come back. Mm -hmm. Because what? They're not resolved. They aren't resolved. Having a locked door doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Exactly. We we encourage to have that that, uh, fears, that courage to open that door, to look for uh, professional help. You talk, we talk about trauma, we talk about addiction. We know that life sometimes is not easy. The trauma sometimes is not in our hands. Something, uh, sometimes things happen mm-hmm. that it's not in our hands, that is not under our control. What is your advice to prevent how to, I don't know, what things can we do in home with our children? to prepare for managed trauma? Model the behavior. We, we need to model the behavior to our children. The way that, that we raise our children has a lot to do with it, mm-hmm. to help them develop that resilience, to help them understand that life is not always going to be easy, easy mm-hmm. right? There will be like very bad things that can happen to us, right? And I think that's incredibly valuable. And when it comes to trauma, I think that's very important because 
sometimes when I talk with, with people and I talk in general about trauma, I talk about transgenerational trauma. Mm-hmm. And here is something that is valuable because now we know, thanks to research, the trauma can trouble generations. Mm-hmm. And when I speak about that, most people with trauma, they get very afraid because I don't want to pass this to my children. So that could be a great motivator for me to seek help and resolve what I need to resolve because I don't want this trauma to trouble generations now. And that Mm -hmm. could be be the key and model that behavior, right? Mm -hmm. Not only preach it, but doing it. If I'm trying to tell my children how or teach them how to develop resilience, I need to model how resilience is developed Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, as children, we don't do what we're told to do. Mm-hmm. We do what we're seeing others do. Yes. So that's the key. We need to be that model, that role model mm-hmm. to our children. Yeah. All this information is very valuable and important to talk about. To all of you who are listening to us, I hope it has been very helpful to you too. We thank you, Francisco, for your time and for being here. We really enjoy this conversation. Thank you so much for the invitation. Thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. It was created with great care and dedication to provide you with valuable insights into mental health. We hope that you find this episode informative and that it has contributed to your knowledge on mental health. It is important to remember that no problem is bigger than us, and we all possess the inner strength to face life's challenges. We just need the courage to identify it, nurture it, and harness its power to enjoy the journey. We hope that this episode has provided some healing and that you feel empowered to face whatever life may bring. Thank you for listening. And remember, together we heal. Juntos, sanamos.